0: Airhorn, Air horn sound effects go here if i remember to put them in okay folks look we have a patreon and let me be honest with you we don't run ads on the show not real ones anyway and not even like fake ones for a long time remember toothfully remember that from like three years ago uh but if you want to financially support the show go to patreon.com slash night subscribe at any tier for video episodes of pretty much all the shows we do and if you subscribe at the two peach tier or above, that's only five bucks a month. You get mini episodes every single Wednesday. Most of them are me and Layton talking, but sometimes we do a crossword puzzle or other weird stuff. So uh, go over to patreon.com slash Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. And hey, enjoy this episode. Or don't. You can't control what other people think.
1: I was listening to um, the episode of Andrew Huang, and we don't know each other particularly well. We've interacted a couple times in the past, but mm-hmm. um, he just strikes me as such like a like a musical alien. Like, there's a couple people, I think, <laughs> on the planet uh-huh. who are like musical aliens. Jacob Collier being one of them. Um, yep. Maybe Corey yep. Henry being another one of them. And Andrew Huang mm-hmm. is another one of them. Just I, I really appreciate his, like, just so unabashedly unique and him like his very himself approach to music and the things he does and i i think that's yes. something we could all strive for and it and it's, it's just so cool
0: yeah i would throw like thundercat into that mix too oh yeah oh like, yeah and, and, like, and, and where and is that money, guy money coming on. from yeah. yeah 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 uh totally i i love yeah andrew I, there are so many things i admire about him um Well, actually, the thing I was going to say before is the thing I felt really bad about, and I don't know if you heard this in the episode, is he came to see my band, and Mm. this is before I knew him at all, and apparently Mm -hmm. tried to get backstage and no one would let him back. And then I felt like a total a-hole because of that, especially when it's someone like I know and admire. You know, Mm -hmm. I feel like I was like, oh, fuck, dude, that sucks. Yeah. Um,
1: It's it's a shame that happens sometimes. But the good thing is that that makes for a good story later on. Right. That makes for good. That's that's (laughs) That's right. It's an entertaining story to tell at this point.
0: Yeah. And then I kind of owe him one, too. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I should have. Dude, I should have known you were there. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I love the. Well, you know what? Here we're going to. This is atypical for the show, although Mm -hmm. I guess becoming increasingly typical. We're going to introduce the show right away. Mm. Uh, This is late night. With Brian Wecht. Leighton is out today. Uh, she's not feeling too well. My name is Brian Wecht, and we do have a wonderful mystery guest. So mystery guest, would you please introduce yourself?
1: Hello, my first name is Mystery. My last name is Guest. Nice to meet all of you. <laughs> Just kidding. My uh, my name is Carlos Eny, uh, also known on the internet as Insane in the Rain, and it's good to be here.
0: That's great. So Carlos, where might people know you from? What do you do?
1: Yeah, so uh, most of you probably know me from uh, making arrangements of video game music on YouTube. I did that from 2012 to about... Uh, end of 2021, and now I'm working as a freelance video game music composer. Um, I had my I like first it. my first game with a score just come out, um, Attorney of the Arcane, available on Steam. Um, it's a visual novel, and I wrote uh, the majority of the music for the game along with uh, another co-composer. Um, but yeah, I've just been um, super interested in video game music my entire life. I spent a long portion of it um, dedicated to transcribing and learning this learning video game music and, and playing it myself. And now I'm... Doing my best to contribute to the tradition by doing my own stuff.
0: That's so awesome. Uh, where you don't need to be too specific, but whereabouts in the world do you live these days?
1: I'm in uh, Seattle, the Seattle area.
0: You're in Seattle. Cool. Mm. So actually, I want to get something out of the way right away, which is so uh, you know, I I love what you do first of all, and I was reading oh, a little you. biographical stuff uh, about you, and yeah. so for for most people listening to this, they probably won't know that this is a thing but you not only went to berkeley you also yep. graduated from berkeley <laughs> yeah. which is yeah, those are, those are shocking, two very
1: separate right? those are two very separate things yes
0: yeah so for people who don't know and you look you, you're yeah. the one you're the guy who went there so maybe you should say rather than me can you, what, what is the berkeley school of music it's not by the way uc <laughs> berkeley which is a different thing
1: yeah. Yeah. So there's the Berkeley in California. That one's UC Berkeley, University of California, Berkeley. It has EY at the end. The Berkeley uh-huh. that I went right. to is the Berkeley, B-E-R-K-L-E-E in Boston, Massachusetts, which is the the music school. Now, when you think of a music school, you might think of some place like um, Juilliard. Juilliard is probably one of the, the most one of the if not the most leading classical music conservatory like in in the world um some people would fight me on that and i don't really know um (laughs) berkeley's berkeley is still a music school but i wouldn't really call it a conservatory in that sense and the beautiful thing about it is that it's just like a It's a it's a very contemporary program like you're not studying. I mean, yes, there's a little bit of, you know, like the traditional of the traditional history of European classical music, but there's also a lot of stuff about things that are modern and like, of course, there's there's um, jazz influence, but even like, you know, like people go there to become like metalheads. Like metalheads go right. there, they study. So many a, a lot of famous metal bands came from Berkeley. Um I had a I had a, so many friends who were into bluegrass and like that's so yeah, cool. Like yeah, what yeah. other what other music school do you go to where, you know, three of your friends are in a bluegrass band together and gigging? <laughs> you know, that's just it's just so cool. Um that rules. But the uh, the, the graduation thing you bring up is funny because it's well known that a lot of people who attend Berkeley for several reasons um don't end up don't end up graduating um one of the most famous of those probably being John Mayer and that Mm -hmm. John Mayer attended Berkeley for like I think two or three semesters something like that year and Mm -hmm. a half and then didn't graduate but he's still John Mayer you know so I think and on one hand it goes to show that Maybe maybe musicians aren't the most, you know, <laughs> like, educationally driven or scholastically driven or something like that. But on the other hand, you know, if you can drop out of school and not pay that much tuition and and graduate and do your thing, that, do your that thing. justifies it, I think.
0: Yeah, it's so funny to me that Boston has not one but two, like, arts-driven institutions, and I'm considering Emerson the other one here, where it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I went there, but I didn't finish that. Uh, you know, the list of people who didn't graduate from Emerson is maybe not quite as long as Berkeley's, but still pretty fucking long.
1: I feel like that sort of attitude is like so quint like the, the quintessential, like not just musician, but like artist. like, yeah, I started that, but I never finished that, you know? Right. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I it's it's so funny because I actually feel that for me personally, I don't really fall into that camp that I actually mm-hmm. tend to maybe it's because of um the. That this type of person I am, but like I tend to not start that many things, and I tend to I try to actually finish the things that I start. Like a lot of folks I've, yeah. I've met will talk about having like a you know a, a, a folder of unfinished ideas or a folder of unfinished projects like on their computer, and I don't really have one of those. I mean, the closest thing might be like voice <laughs> memos I've made that haven't made it in, but very rarely does does that actually exist. So I don't know if that that's pretty impressive. Me
0: feel, I mean, feel different. It, it, <laughs> Well, especially considering the scope of a lot of what you do, like mm-hmm. finish it's not like for the stuff you're doing, it's like, it, you know, they're not simple, low, you know, they're time-intensive, complicated mm-hmm. things for a lot of mm-hmm. it, right? Yeah. So that's a pretty high bar to clear. You're not just, you know, writing a six-line poem, which, yes, okay, that can be hard for sure, yeah. but it's not <laughs> yeah. the same as arranging something for, you know, a 20-piece ensemble and then getting it recorded and out there and everything like that. It's that's oh, a, oh, that's oh a you know, deal.
1: I think it's, I think that's a really interesting point and i think that's true and i think it actually works in the opposite way that you might think because i think it's way easier to start and not finish something small than it is to start and not finish i mean at least for my my brain then start and Mm finish and okay maybe my brain and something music related easier to start and not finish something small if it's like low stakes but for for Mm -hmm. me when i think of doing like a like you said like a big 20-piece band arrangement i'm like Okay, this is serious. This is a challenge. Like, I'm gonna have to dedicate myself to being able to do this thing, which means I really want to see it get done. And yeah. odds are, it it gets done. And uh, I'm I'm proud of myself for that. Although I, I know it's not you necessarily the the main story for everybody. <laughs> well, thank you.
0: No, I I think most people really do struggle with finishing. Mm. Like, is is and even if it's like. It's not the getting it to ninety percent. It's that last, you know, ten or whatever percent of, you know, yeah. getting it mastered and doing the tweaks and then getting it out the door. That's the the real struggle for for most people, including myself. Mm.
1: Yeah, I think, and okay, I, I still struggle with that part specific, like that final part of like you know mix mix seven mix twenty seven yes. of the of oh. the song. <laughs> but it's but but I think like just the way I the the way I've worked and I think the way that honestly YouTube trained me um, and there are so many fascinating things about like my my start as a content creator that I think have been really beneficial like um, one of my friends actually I'm not sure if you know him um his name is family Jules Jules Conroy. oh sure he's he's uh,
0: been on the show yeah
1: oh really okay cool cool yeah, yeah so yeah. I've no, he I, rolls. Um, so he was a um a really big, like a, a really good friend of mine, a really big influence on me, like back when I was starting YouTube stuff.
0: And oh, that's also awesome. I didn't know you guys knew each yeah. other. That's fair. well, oh, sorry, yeah, you, yeah. I did know. I, I knew he was in one of your videos. I did at least. Uh, I didn't know you guys were like butts. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: no, we we go we go pretty far back. And um, early on, his approach was just like just make a video every week and put it out. And something that's about awesome. that, like, really, really stuck with me. And uh, for about, I think five maybe five or six years on on my YouTube channel that's exactly what I did I mean like the, the occasional week I would take off but I would pretty much just do weekly video game music arrangements and um, so great constantly constantly working on that deadline was, was did a lot of things one I think it was good for my channel in, in in terms of creating like a you know a lot of like content that people could check out sure that's that's one benefit of it but I think more yeah. importantly was just the ability to to finish things and put them out, even if they're not, not that great. Like, of course I look back on the first two years of the things that I've done and say like, ah, that wasn't that great. (laughs) But you know, all of it was a stepping stone to get here and to develop that, that skill. And I, I'm not perfect. I don't mean to say I'm perfect, but I do think it is something that can be improved upon. If like, you just, if you put yourself in a situation Or you have to.
0: Yeah. But I think that's also partly the nature of recorded music, right? Is you record the thing and then the more you do it, you've gotten better at it. So almost by definition, the version you recorded is not going to be quite as good if you keep performing it as the version that you're eventually able to do. So part of Mm. recording music to me has always been it's a it, it is an artifact of what and who you were when you recorded it and might not be the quote-unquote best version of the piece it's just what it was at that time
1: of course and then there's the question well is there is there a best version of the piece you know right. I, I think i think maybe there isn't maybe there isn't a best, best there, version of the piece i don't think person. there is yeah yeah and that's a that's a whole other philosophical level of discussion which we can get into but (laughs) we can get into but i know where this rabbit hole goes yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah. i do want to talk more about uh so boston is so interesting to me and i want to Mm. talk about your experience with it Mm -hmm, mm because i was so i lived in boston for a while before i uh you know left academics to be a a full-time musician i was Mm. a a a physicist and i was a postdoc yes i was a theoretical physicist uh, I did postdocs uh, at MIT and Harvard, and while I was in Boston as a postdoc, I was the musical director for the Improv Asylum, uh, <laughs> the little comedy club in in the North End. So I was oh, that's doing, awesome. yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, it was basically it was just one musician at a time, just me behind the keys, and uh, it was a mixture of written songs, like review style. And then just improvising to either underscore scenes or, you know, improvise songs with the actors. Um, And so I am I love talking to people about Boston and especially I never really got into like the jazz scene in Boston specifically. (laughs) I was. Uh, just for some additional context, I went to Williams College uh, for my undergraduate in Western Mass, yeah. and so we oh, saw okay, a lot okay. of runoff like instructors from Boston and like the Northampton <laughs> kind of Amherst area people who right. were you know adjuncting at like a bunch of different institutions and and that sort of thing. So I kind of knew a little bit about like jazz in Boston, but never. Did anything remotely professional uh, mm. with it? It was like people would just show up at Williams to do shows and stuff. Uh, so I'm curious, did, w- when you were at <laughs> Berkeley, did you like get out into the city at all to do stuff, or was it very much just at the at the school?
1: So it's. I think my case was an interesting case because while. I was friends with a lot of people who were in like that Boston jazz gigging scene who were doing their thing to get into the city yeah Um, I was there on YouTube instead like (laughs) I was doing my thing I was doing my thing online and um, I didn't I I I didn't participate in the live stuff nearly like nearly as much just being on the scene Um, I remember that when I was at school there was this one really famous spot where people would go to for for jam sessions called Wally's. and i think Wally's was on i think it's on mass ave and maybe like 15 so,
0: fifteen or minutes south yeah, yeah yeah oh okay okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah that's that, that's the magic of these these jam session spots is that they're kind of like you kind of have to know right. you have to know somebody to, to figure out where it is the one and i knew
0: was uh it might have changed the name but it used to be lily pad in, oh uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's in Cambridge. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's in the yeah. square.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was that was another spot I heard of. I didn't hear as many jams uh, about, about people going to that one for as many jams, but definitely right. at yeah. um, Wally's. And so at at the time in college, like I I was like you know I was I, I studied saxophone in college, and that wasn't that wasn't like my major i had so at at berkeley um my major was what's called contemporary writing and production which is a hybrid Mm -hmm. like music production and like composition arranging degree Mm -hmm. and that's i mean that's how specific it gets at berkeley but at the same time um i was taking lessons on saxophone because i did want to get better at saxophone um but i didn't really feel like i super belonged in um you know, like the 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 in person, go to clubs, call tunes, show up that that kind of jam oh, session dude. scene, and yeah, th- that is such a unique culture that it's, I think is yeah, it's kind of it's it can get kind of cutthroat at times. Oh yeah, um, but it is still it's still fun. It's still fun to participate in if you're with the with your uh, with the right people. So I didn't really find myself going to um. To Wally's, I maybe like walked in once to see what it was all about, but I don't think I ever, I ever, ever played there. Um, but I had plenty of friends who did, and they, they loved it. So yeah. I'm sure it was. It's a It's fun so time. funny,
0: you know. So I did almost exactly what you did, albeit not in a you know a music school specifically. So I was a uh, a jazz composition you know major at Williams and oh, saxophone wow. was my my main instrument oh wow uh, and i took i took sax lessons and realized pretty quick like this is i'm not going to be a pro sax player because <laughs> I, like the amount of Just just practicing that I would need to do in order to live that life You know my my sax teacher was this really awesome player named Bruce Williamson uh, Really really talented fun guy Uh, You know one of these lifer dudes. I don't even know Like I haven't been in touch with this guy for a very long time But was just you know gigging all the time in New York and Boston teaching at five different schools blah 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 And seeing the life he had to live to just be a pro sax player. I was like Mm -hmm. a that sounds hard. And B, I'm definitely not good enough right now. <laughs> and probably never. So that like just show up, you know, get the gigs and and do the, the club thing always seemed terrifying to me. Yeah, it is.
1: It's just it's a lifestyle that is very demanding. But I think that I think that for anybody, if you r- really believe in something and you really feel like this is the thing I was destined to do, you know, and if your destiny that you feel in your heart is like I'm going to be a you know professional gigging saxophone player and earn my living just by playing and yep. playing adjacent things, you'll find a way to make it work. That's the beautiful thing, and I think that, that's absolutely. what gives like th- that gave Bruce the energy. To be able to do that, right? Because, you know, when you and I think about it, it's like, that's, that sounds like a lot of work. I'm tired just thinking about it. But if, yeah. if your heart's no, in it, it and it's something you want to do, it's, it works out super well. Or it can.
0: 100%. And, he, you know, genuinely talented and very kind of like zen and like, you know, classic, like chill kind of dude. Yeah, uh, man. But, yeah, I, I, I didn't realize that, uh, I mean, what you and I did was so parallel although Mm -hmm. you definitely were doing it at a much higher level than i was you know williams was like full liberal arts music was like Mm. a major but and i did a lot of music stuff but it was not Mm. i'm sure with the the rigor that a berkeley uh education had see you would i that's an interesting point
1: because you would think you would think that a berkeley education would be very rigorous and i think it is um it can be Mm -hmm. or it it doesn't it might like if you go at like the default pace and don't and just like you know you can skate by and and i think it's very possible to just do, do the minimum necessary to get through everything and i think that it's it's not like the coursework in the classes is not where the challenge lies in my opinion mm-hmm. the challenge lies in doing everything that the school has to offer outside right. the classes and fitting that together 10000%. and that, that was the best thing about about berkeley so in one of my same. semesters um i would take like my major classes like like a um like maybe like a some art appreciation class that i had to take to get out of the way although those were actually those mm-hmm. classes were still pretty good um and then at the same like those classes um, i was also studying japanese when i was at berkeley i took four semesters of japanese cool. at berkeley um that's awesome and then also doing my youtube stuff and on top of that um, there would also be like a, like I'd have friends who would say, "Hey, Carlos, can you play in my recital?" I'm um, one of my friends um, was putting together a recital of her tradition traditional Peruvian music, and so cool. I would go have to go to like these two-hour rehearsals a couple times before this recital, and it would th- th- like this this traditional Peruvian music. Um, I think um, one of the one of the styles is called Lando which I wasn't mm-hmm. familiar with before and no, it is the most complicated like 128 the <laughs> 128 mm-hmm. nobody knows where beat 1 kind of thing is uh-huh. Uh-huh. and it was so cool to just be in that environment um, but doing that on top of everything else and managing time that was that was the real challenge now like you know somebody could just be doing the coursework and not do the you know all the the other stuff and I think I, I think everybody's different right but yeah. I think that is a, that seems more manageable to me than, than doing all these things on top of each other. One hundred percent. Yeah, the experience is really what you make it. Make of it. and I think that applies yeah. to every school.
0: I, I had the same thing at Williams. You know, for me, it was mm. like Williams is a pretty rigorous school. But yeah. I was in rehearsal every night of the week. That you know, I was. I got to for two years. Uh, I was the director of a the student symphony, so I got to, you know rehearse and conduct this 60-piece mm-hmm. orchestra, you know, mm-hmm. and then doing pit bands and all the jazz wow, ensembles and then jazz gigs would come through. Dude, I, I was like, how many places would I be able to, like, be in charge of a symphony for a couple yeah. of years? So I right. picked all the repertoire, you know, and, like, we, we there was, like, the pro symphony where it had, like, pro musicians from all over, mostly Massachusetts, yeah. but whatever, and, you know, got students who audition to get in with the student symphony our standards were you know not quite as high as the what was the mm-hmm. berkshire symphony it was called mm. but still you know reasonably high and we could do big fun you know classic pieces we had students write stuff it was awesome and i've always thought to it like at the time i, I think I, I remember thinking this is pretty special now, looking back on it, you know whatever twenty five however many years later, I'm like, yeah. Jesus Christ who gets to do that like I'm so glad right. I took the chance to do it then and really make the most of it because that was never something that you know i I certainly haven't done that since, and will will that ever happen probably not you know, but yeah um, yeah I most couldn't, people couldn't don't just more.
1: stumble into a uh symphony like organization or conducting opportunities but that's so cool that you got yeah. to do that like it's cool that it was like, awesome th- yeah that's it's man i think so, if you've never to anybody listening if you've never ever like played in a musical ensemble like making music especially like a big one like it's one thing to have yeah. it's one thing to have a, a small group band where you, you're like you know like a like a rock band if there's four of you there or something but playing as part of like a let's call it like a 50-piece orchestra playing a role in that that like you it feels it's such a unique special feeling but I honestly I haven't had that in a while and I, I I miss that a bit um but I think having that experience of playing an ensemble isn't just about like learning how to play your instrument on an ensemble like it teaches you about yourself as a person in a way and it yeah. teaches you about the importance of sometimes it's not all about you and the best thing you can the, yeah okay yeah, everybody needs to hear yes. this sometimes it's not all about you that's 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 what's yes, that's the truth indeed. and sometimes yeah. the best thing the best thing you can do is just play some off beats in the background and you're still contributing to an amazing picture that like in the overall thing is great and I think that's a, such a beautiful lesson, and nothing more poetically teaches that, I think,
0: than being a French horn player in a symphony. <laughs> well, so I, I was the tuba player in the symphony. Oh. So in a pretty similar role, where it's like, when the parts are good, they're really good, but a lot of the time, yeah. you know, you're, bom, bom, bom. you know, it's yeah. like, there's yeah, French horn, I feel like French horn, at least, you, you know, yes, you're waiting for a long period, but when you're yeah. like, in it, you're really oh, in it. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. Wow, so so wait, so hold on. So you, you said you studied saxophone, right? Then how did you yeah. get to tuba?
0: So the the route was actually when I so I started Sax when I was, I don't know, ten or so. And yeah. then when I was in fifth or sixth grade, they needed a berry player in my, you know, elementary school. Yeah. So they gave me a berry. School just had a berry. Yeah. And then <laughs> And they had no low, uh, no tuba players. So I started playing tuba parts on the Barry. Because yeah. sometimes that was what was needed in the concert band. And yeah. then at some point I was like, well, if I'm playing all these tuba parts, I should just learn the tuba. So <laughs> I learned the tuba. Now, I haven't picked okay. up a tuba in a very long time because it turns out they're expensive. Uh, I have one right here but... if you want it.
1: It's just, it's just oh, off, awesome. off camera in the corner <laughs> over there.
0: <laughs> but I, I loved playing tuba. It was so much fun. Uh, and so when I got to to Williams, you know there aren't that many tuba players, especially mm. in a small school. So we, you know, we did the I, I played in the in the student symphony as a as a tuba player, and whenever occasionally you you know in in the uh, big band we do some like Fletcher Henderson or whatever twenties yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 where the tuba was holding down the bass uh, mm. there and then Oktoberfest. Where I remember being <laughs> oh. a, my, my big tuba season. <laughs> Even in Western Mass, like. And once October rolled around, you could get some good oompah gigs.
1: Oh wow! Uh, I'm, I'm so, did you play? Uh, were you playing um like sousaphone? Did you ever? Did you ever do sousaphone? Too? Oh yep,
0: yep. So oh, I was in the marching yeah. band, and got we had the big like uh, what the, the the not the brass one, whatever the the oh like the fiber poly, is it
1: fiberglass? Is the that what fiberglass, it? Polycar- I think so. Yeah, uh, fi- poly, it's either fiberglass or polycarbonate, something like that. Yeah,
0: but it, the big white one. Like, yeah, you know, know what that's called. Parts of it are brass, but not the, not the whole thing. Yeah, not, uh, not because the they thing. weigh like thirty pounds less than the, <laughs> you know, the actual thing. But yeah, so I did. I did sousaphone for a while in the marching band. Oh, wow.
1: Too. So then, so, you, it's, it's, so it's so funny because you. Got, we actually. I I started on um, uh, alto. I okay. My my short story is clarinet. Or oh, sorry, before mm-hmm. that, piano was my first thing. Then yep. And this is all elementary school piano. Then clarinet. Then also sax and then my my director also gave me the berry part and i was also playing i was also like the in my sixth grade band i remember being the like the lowest the i was the lowest Uh voice in the ensemble because we didn't have a tuba player in my in my in my period oh that's wow this is so cool this is so funny
0: (laughs) so Uh, i i'm curious if you had to do this i had for the first like four years of me playing the Barry. i carried around or had in the, like, in the band room, a cardboard box filled with, like, cardboard that I could put the sax on top of, because I was too short <laughs> to, like, play it. So I would play it, you know, like, straight between the legs in front of me style, not, not oh, to the yeah. side. And I had, I would, like, you know, this little kid would just, like, put this thing straight in front of me, but had to elevate it on this box. And this box wow. started getting real ratty after, you know, <laughs> a few years of that. You know, this makes so much sense now because I was uh, on...
1: To call back to that Andrew Huang podcast I was listening to, mentioned something about a contrabass saxophone. And I was like, who talks about oh, it? Yeah. Who just knows what a contrabass saxophone is? And I'm thinking like... like Maybe for like for for someone like uh, somebody with the the body of a fifth or sixth grader, like a berry is kind of proportionally <laughs> like a contrabass saxophone. Because I'm thinking about like percent, you, yes. yeah, because you were like putting it on a box and trying to and trying to put the trying to fit the mouthpiece in your mouth. I I I don't yeah. think I did quite that, but I I do remember like I think I. I, maybe it maybe it induced a growth spurt in my hand because i remember i couldn't because <laughs> i couldn't because I, I couldn't my right was like my you, when, you, when you play saxophone for anybody listening your your right pinky finger kind of has to stretch down to this key that's on the bottom and your your, your yeah. pinky fingers do a lot of stretching and if your hands aren't big that's that's an issue and i remember like my fingers could not reach the oh, keys yeah. at that age so oh my goodness
0: yeah Wow, I, I forget so cool. if I said this on the on the Andrew episode, but I remember like the, the Rod Baltimore, you know, this woodwind store in the city in New York mm. used to have a contrabass, uh, and you could oh. you could play it if you you know it was in the window, it's this giant fucking thing, and they would let you <laughs> play it if you wanted to play it, and of course it's just you know like you can barely put the mouthpiece in your mouth, it's so big, <laughs> uh, and then your you know, your hands are are like that, yeah, it's it's nuts. Have you have you played a, a bass? Ever basex? Oh no.
1: I've I've uh I've never played one. I have I have all four, all four main ones sitting on my my um Woodwind rack right here. Mm -hmm. Um but I've never played anything lower than a berry. Um except except this one time. I don't know if you count this, but except this one time where I had a long thing of vinyl tubing that I bought from Home Depot (laughs) for a talk box. Uh Yeah, for, for, Uh for for a talk box. And then I was like wait hold on my mouthpiece fits on this thing so i, I think it was actually <laughs> i think it was just a clarinet mouthpiece which is smaller than than a baritone saxophone and i put it on there and then i thought i made the noise and i was like oh wait this is really low and then i then i yeah. pl- like found like a funnel in the garage and i put the funnel yep. on the end of the thing so it looked like a horn. and then i had a um That's I, I had a, a a single one one note low woodwood instrument it was so fun <laughs>
0: i i've seen someone do something like that with a berry where they stick something in the bell and get an extra yeah. half step down like for you know like that yeah. as well
1: oh man uh, it's so cool hard to justify hard to justify the investment because it's like <laughs> the, the base compared to the berry is like five extra notes or something like that it's it's well uh one two three it's not no, It's much. four it's four extra notes if you're coming from a low a berry which is like kind of like yeah, not oh, right, very well, much hey, yeah. bang for your buck if you're talking for like you know the cheapest ones I've
0: seen are like at least like five grand. Oh, it le- I would imagine a decent one is going to be like $20,000 at least, right? Yeah, like for, for, for the decent cheap.
1: ones with like a with a name brand that somebody would recognize would, would be around that cost. But man.
0: You, and you don't see them much in ensembles yeah I, I remember seeing one thing where there was some some James Brown band had a guy on bass sax and I was like oh you know this guy's just hanging out in the back and is he's, he's c- carrying it around his neck which like oh my god you know it's just a recipe for for back problems
1: yeah they should call it the sciatica phone
0: <laughs> yeah chiropractor's <laughs> dream and that so and when did you, did you just pick up all the other instruments like along the way because you play a yeah, ton of different things, right? Pretty
1: much, they were they were mostly born out of um, necessity, and I think a lot of things in my life have kind of unfolded that way. Um, yeah. Basically, basically, I when I was making my YouTube videos, my goal was always like, I want to make like the best quality music and make the best things I could possibly make, you know. And I wanted it to sound like the um my my favorite band is um, Snarky Puppy, which is just a uh, oh, collection. we of just uh
0: with bob reynolds who plays with them uh, oh quite no a bit, way oh you know i love him. bob that's yeah, so yeah, yeah, cool yeah yeah he he rules yeah
1: wow super cool wow i I haven't got the chance to meet him but i would like to do i would love to do that someday um, yeah
0: i think uh not to interrupt but we like it here is one of my favorite albums of all time and oh. uh, you know like i can't watch those videos enough I showed him my oh, kid, wow. I have a nine year old, and like I'm like, Audrey, you gotta see it, you know, because it's so interesting and just how they did that whole recording is great. Anyway, sorry, I mean I'm interrupting.
1: Nine year old reacts to Corey Henry's solo on "Limpus." add another <laughs> no, one, dude, add another one to the that, reaction video pile.
0: <laughs> that specific solo is my favorite thing on that album. By mm. like a long shot. It's it's oh, so man. great.
1: That's that's so like, so so cool. Um yeah, anyway, yeah. not to, I, I could derail myself right here, yeah. but I won't. Um But so I wanted to make um my these covers I was making at the time, I wanted to make them sound like the records and so i would do like obviously i would be like studying the compositions like transcribe the solos that they played on the records and then um learn like i guess basically i was like okay what instruments are being used in this ensemble and i was thinking like okay they're, they've got two two saxes two trumpets um a couple of keyboards a couple of guitars bass drums percussion that kind of thing and then i would like in each video i would make i might i, I would say like Okay. Can I do what? Can I do to make this organ part that I want sound more like this thing, like this more sound yeah. more like Corey Henry from this from uh, this Snarky Puppy record? And yeah. I would like learn one thing at a time. Maybe the first thing was like, oh, there's this thing called a you can get a virtual instrument. I don't have to use the built-in sounds <laughs> on my Casio keyboard. What?
0: Right. So right. that that's yeah. a
1: revelation in and of itself. I remember that um, for sure. And then just over time, it kind of it kind of built and built and. Eventually, when it came time for uh, other instruments, I thought, "Wait, hold on. How hard would it be if I just like got a bass guitar and learn and started learning how to play?" Like,
0: and you're you're like how old at this point ish?
1: Uh, this is bass specifically. That was in high school. I was probably fifteen, something like that. Mm-hmm. I think when I when I first got it. Um yeah. you know, Actually, at at when I I started my channel when I was. For something like 14 something like that
0: that's awesome um
1: and uh at the time i was mainly tax and piano were the two main things i was playing but then over time it would just like accumulate and i would say let me get a let's 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 try a let's try a basic guitar part let's try a basic bass part you know and yeah it just ev- evolved i mean like for the, the the audio listeners of the podcast they they can't see the the room i have in here but um it's it's surrounded like i have um i have two yeah, it's drum everything, kits
0: basically it's
1: it's everything i have i have two drum kits one is set up as a jazz like a higher tuned jazz kit and another was set up like more like a rock fusion kit um two of these back here they have a wall of gu- uh, off, off screen a wall of guitars um with a like with a strat a, a jazz bass a, a classical guitar a steel string mandolin and uh um an esp guitar that i just got um my woodwind section my brass section my upright bass and a whole amazing, board wall. Of, I, I wish i could zoom out more and, and, show, and show everybody <laughs> but um it's all come from like just my desire to make music that sounds like the records that i liked and um mm-hmm. sometimes it'll there, there will be a situation where where i definitely like if i'm working on a game soundtrack right and there's a section where i really i'm really hearing this like shred violin solo i can't play the violin yet and even if i were even if i were to practice it it would take so long to get to the point of being able to do that that shred level stuff that it's just not it's not worth it maybe someday um but not right now so in in those situations i'll definitely like bring somebody else on to record but for like for for most or like like the average situation when i'm just trying to play like a part in an ensemble and i want it to sound half decent or actually or or sound pretty good i do my best to actually play it on the the actual thing and uh because sample libraries and ways of replicating that replicating those sounds have come a long way but depending on the instrument and depending on what type of thing, some of them just aren't there yet. And de- especially with it, anything to do with the woodwind is not there yet. I was just
0: about to say, the woodwinds, somehow, I mean, they're better than they were. You know, I, I'm a bit older than you. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm 48. And I remember early fucking virtual woodwinds, which are... <sighs> you know, not, I, I mean, they're really, really bad. They're, they're great if you want that specific sound for like oh, a fake saxophone. Yeah. And then they're the greatest thing ever. But you're not going to mistake it for anything resembling a sax. Mm-hmm. And it's, they're still not there. Like even the best ones are, you can still tell.
1: Yeah, I, and I really like that distinction you made in that, um something that's be, because i use a lot of live instruments i think it's important to note that i don't think always having a live performance is necessarily like better th- than, sure. than having than having the equivalent of a, a virtual instrument because sometimes you want that sound sometimes you want that very that very particular sound but um in some cases you don't and that's that's why right. that's where i come in and actually um like a lot of the work that i do on my my soundtracks these days um uh, especially the ones where i'm on a team is i'll be working with like uh uh, one of the games I'm um, writing music for is called um, is called Breeze in the Clouds, and on that soundtrack we have uh, four composers total. And sometimes what will happen wow. is one of the one of the other composers will finish a track, right? They'll they'll share it with everybody else. We'll listen to it, and then I'll say, okay, I could probably record that like uh, I could get that melody lo- that you have that melody line on a uh, synth synth saxophone. I could probably do that on saxophone for you. Um, also, you've got like this background part on um, let's call it like a like a this background brass section that has um, that's just like play on a keyboard, but this would sound really good if it was done with like actual like trumpet performances and layered on top of each yeah. other. So uh, that's I, I love doing that so much. Um, j- just like cl- like collaborating and, and recording those parts for people and bringing those to life.
0: I want I want to hear about this th- like this team writing kind of mm-hmm. stuff because uh, mm-hmm. that sounds that what a cool thing. I, I mean, I really I, I don't know too much about the you know uh, how video game music is made so is this Mm. a pretty typical thing these days is to get a team of multiple people scoring something
1: i would say uh yeah it depends it really just depends on the size of the project like uh for for breeze specifically um we have a very large like soundtrack that we're planning um Mm -hmm. the game is like it's it's not released yet we're still working on it doesn't have a doesn't have a release date publicly yet um but it's like we're aiming for in the realm of like 70 songs or something like that on the soundtrack. Oh my God. And, (sighs) and for one person to do all of that is, would take a very long time and it would be very difficult. And plus just having different composers lets you hit different stylistic ranges, um, more like maybe like in in, my, in this case like i tend to do better on I, I have more experience at least in styles that um use a lot of acoustic recordings like i mm-hmm. might have a track that has like acoustic piano and like flugelhorn or something like that yeah, versus yeah. another friend will be way better at something that's like um uh like new jack swing that's a style that we're using on the, the soundtrack which is really which is really cool but that uses uh, a lot of great yeah more like yeah it has like that really like <sighs> That really, that that kind yeah, of snare right. jumps. That's like that.
0: Yeah, very um, crunchy. Yeah,
1: yeah. But that uses a, a very, a more, uh, a different sound set that maybe somebody else has more experience with. So I would say that practice is. Um, for a game that needs that size, I would say is um is pretty common. um Most of the projects I've worked on have at least have at least two
0: so how do you ensure other than i guess you just ask people to stay in communication and and mm-hmm. be talented uh, how yeah. do you ensure stylistic consistency so that they all feel like they're a part of the same thing or that's just part of what the process is
1: yeah it's it's part of the process um now in in game um, game development there's something that that's called the the game design document which is like the bible for the game and that's yeah. something that is typically made very very early on often used in initial often used in initial proposals to like perhaps a publisher um but it's also really important for establishing the vision of a game and so many decisions will trickle down from that and uh for music in in the case of um breeze and other games i've worked on we have like music design documents which will um not only like just talk about like okay what styles of music do we want in the game that's an important distinction to make but also like how is the music going to be used where is it going to be used what are we going to do in terms of implementation implementation is the term that we use for like um deciding if a song is going to loop um And if it Mm -hmm. loops, then maybe is there going to be a part of the song that, you know, if the player's in phase one of this boss fight, if they get to the second phase, how is it going to go from, how is it going to go from phase one to phase two? How will that happen in a a musical way that complements the gameplay? You know, how does that, how does that happen? Mm -hmm. So all these decisions are things that we think about beforehand and um, really just having... Um, that design document and uh, specifically establishing styles maybe, and including plenty of reference tracks too, that make it very clear what, st- what sort of stuff we're going for. Um, that is really helpful in having, in having uh, everybody stay on the same page.
0: Uh, I'm curious too, how much of this did you learn by uh, A, you know, <laughs> arranging and transcribing video game music versus yeah. school versus just fucking doing it? Because, uh, you know, being something you worked on in school too, like I, I'm just curious what the breakdown was for you. Yeah, uh, for me, it's all it's, it's like it's always like ten percent everything else, ninety percent just doing it.
1: It's mostly like that, and uh, I think it's a it's it's mostly just just doing it. Like it, it, especially in the case of like the specific the specific technical stuff and how to make the project work the best. Um, like in terms of okay, how do we best deliver files to the the, the yeah. boring stuff of like how do we best deliver files to make sure everything is consistent, like
0: Oh, file management uh, baby.
1: Yeah. Like that's that's a game developer's dream is like, oh, underscores yeah. and file names. I love that. So um uh, mm-hmm. that's just kind of a thing I've like uh I was certainly introduced to that culture, like being in college and I had some professors who were pretty good about that. But um, you see the relevance of it being on the job and how it actually helps in making sure that files don't go missing, things like that. Yeah. Um, I was actually lucky enough at um, at Berkeley there was a um, uh, there was a video game music scoring minor when I was there, which is just like oh shit, that, that rules. is just like a, it's a super cool program. And in fact, since I graduated, they've expanded that department to now offer a major. In games and interactive media scoring, which is an acronym that spells that spells games. So they call it the games major.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> That's great. I mean, obviously, they should have that major, right? It's such a big uh, thing for music these days. Like, any, yes, you know, that that, that that is a very reasonable and timely thing to have for sure.
1: Totally. And I'm, I'm so happy that it exists because I mean, it's like it's no secret. Like video game music is like my life, like my life passion. Yeah you know i just love it so much and i just love seeing it be um more accessible to people who want to get into to um to making it and there's lots of ways to get in it for like the the triple scene the the indie scene um there's opportunities there's opportunities everywhere if you just know where to look and uh, and have yeah. the the drive to stay persistent
0: yeah i, I want to ask you all right so i can't have a A real musician on without asking the (laughs) same question i probably asked andrew this too uh and and jules and everybody else uh i'm always curious what people's relationship with theory is like (laughs) are you a very theory driven analytical type of person or (laughs) are you more of a like vibe it out this is just what i'm feeling type person so I I love music theory. Like I am Same. super super deep into it.
1: I, I had a feeling yeah. like you as a as a, a former theoretical yeah. physicist that you would be <laughs> yeah, into as a mathematician.
0: Music. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. you'd be super into music theory. It's cool how that lines up. In fact, Jules and I, um, Jules myself, and actually a couple other folks, we used to do these uh, panels at uh, PAX and other conventions where mm-hmm. called video game music theory, where you would teach basic music theory concepts using video game examples. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, it that's was it was idea. a really fun time, um, and now one of our one of the panelists, um, his name is Eight Bit Music Theory. He he's doing that same kind of thing on his own YouTube channel. So that's great. Long story short, I I love music theory, but I think I'm at a point with it now where uh, because. I am now in a situation more where I'm applying it more than I used to. Like I was certainly learning a lot about it in in college. Like um, it's time to push up the glasses and talk about the the the, <laughs> the, the, the Lydian dominant sharp the Lydian dominant sharp low flat seven scale used on the, the the tritone substitution of the five seven chord. But actually, if you use a if you mm-hmm. use a uh, Lydian dominant sharp nine chord scale, it has this really interesting tension of a the natural three on the on the, right. you know, on the major yeah. scale of the key. Anyway, so. Like, I think having that knowledge and having the ability to use it when needed is great. Like, it's just, it's like just knowing it, having a language in the back of your pocket that that you can pull out when you need it. But the thing that I feel that I'm getting better at is um, kind of putting that aside and letting, letting my ears and like just letting, I don't know, my natural interest guide me more. And then yes. using, using music theory as a tool when necessary to like um help me make like an educated guess or something
0: this is 100 been my journey as well it's like i started out very analytic like yeah and from a, and like one thing we should also say to people is uh a lot you know music theory is music theory there's a lot of it mm-hmm. out there but i tend to find people either approach it from more a more like classical or more jazz point of view mm-hmm. at least within like western musical theory kind of thinking mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm squarely on the jazz side like <laughs> uh, you know I, I think about lead sheets and chords and the scales you're playing yeah. with them like, like you were talking about um, but from this you know so I, I came from that like jazz composition where we're fucking music theory hell yeah bro you know kind of stuff and getting away from that and realizing A simple is fine it's mm-hmm. fine to do simple shit like, mm-hmm. it, it, however you want to describe it, uh, and then trusting my instincts that, okay, I, like, I'm like i pretty good at doing music. Maybe what my ear is hearing is fine, and I don't need to mm-hmm. worry about the theoretical background. That has been a huge thing for me personally, and I have tried to—I'm yeah. For I, I'm not doing this so much anymore, but for many years, I was trying to actively, like, not think theoretically about what I was doing, <laughs> and instead just— do it and nothing was better for this by the way than being in a bar band where oh I yeah, could just yeah. be like like I, I had the the guitarist in that band i told the story on a, on a recent episode uh came up to me you know we were just chatting we were buds we were hanging out and he's like dude you're such a good musician you just gotta feel it more and i was <laughs> like he's so right i just gotta feel it more like I'm too <laughs> worried about the theory, so I, right. I, I I really what you're saying really resonates with me, uh, yeah. Because that is very similar to 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 my my journey with theory.
1: Yeah, I think it's I I would even go so far to say that like it's also like reflected in like a life trajectory kind of thing for me too, and I think that mm-hmm. like just just how we grow up and develop as people, and I think that like like our the approach the, there's a reason why. Someone might gravitate towards that more analytical approach to to music, right, and might not want to feel things as much. Versus, there's also a reason why somebody might hate music theory and just prefer to feel it out some more. Uh, f- feel it out, and yeah.
0: they're called guitarists. Think, <laughs> <boom>. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Oh yes, uh, that's right. <laughs> you went there.
1: Man, I I have to say though nothing impresses me more than a guitarist who's like the like an incredible sight reader. Oh, like yes. like those those people you you people are some of my favorite people out there. It's like Oh, uh, when, that's
0: yes. When when you get a guitarist who like really knows what they're doing, it is the greatest thing in the world cuz my so... my brain yeah, I don't I don't play guitar at all and my brain does not work like with that you know with that style of thinking and watching someone yeah. do that feels to me like a magic trick so yeah. one of the guitarists we work with regularly uh who goes by Lord Phobos in the band twerp is like this mm. and it's just like that guy's brain is working differently than mine and he can nail all you know he's not only an incredible player he's just got all the theory stuff down and it is my favorite thing in the world to talk to him mm. about music
1: Hey, but as long as it works, as long as it sounds good, it sounds good. That's the thing about it. Music. Sounds
0: great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing I've also noticed, and I'm curious, I feel like this is a broader societal trend, but I, I could talk about this all day, um, <laughs> is I feel like easy listening is back. Like mm. things are getting fucking smooth again yeah <laughs> things are getting to, to, to use a, a word I use with some of the, the the musicians I work with things are getting adult <laughs> and you know it's like this adult contemporary kind of yacht rock shit which I, I am obsessed <laughs> obsessed with uh I feel like is having a moment and I I wonder if the, it's one of the a hey, I wonder if that's right uh but i also wonder if it's some broad societal trend away from like harder edge stuff to like okay maybe we can you know like Mm. the world has some problems maybe we should just like chill it out a Mm. little bit let's pretend it's the 80s again you know or something like that Mm. yeah i'm curious if you've noticed that yeah i can
1: i I i've certainly thought about that kind of thing with um like the rise of um like ambient music becoming a little bit more mainstream oh yeah and yes. um and just and also just of course lo-fi right like the the existence of lo-fi as and as the, and the lo-fi girl as like a, a genre as a whole yeah. is just yeah I, I think very indicative of that like i actually um my my uh, my, my partner and i just did a, a really long road trip a couple months ago and uh we were driving we were driving west across across the U.S. and I think
0: mm-hmm.
1: we were either in Idaho or Montana or something. Driving driving to Seattle, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: and she put on this um, this ambient playlist, that and I, I was like, "Wow, this is so good." Like uh-huh. wow, this is so ridiculously simple. This is just someone with a guitar right. in their bedroom and like Valhalla, like vintage verb or something like that. Yes, yes, of course, and, oh, <laughs> but, gotta love that. But, yeah. but it's amazing, and it sounds and it sounds so great. And I think, and I'm thinking about and, why it, it feels and so by the way,
0: great. does huge numbers on streaming, huge numbers mm. on streaming. Mm. Like a- ambient is is very big, right? Yeah. And that's that's.
1: It's really I, – I guess that that listening session contributed to those listens because we were listening to it. Um, <laughs> ha, happy to be a supporter of the ambient artists out there. Uh, but it's just yeah. – it's so cool. And I'm thinking about, like, why did I enjoy that? It was maybe – it was like, you know, that that road trip was – it was a – you were kind of on a deadline, so we were driving, you know, we were taking it pretty seriously and trying to make it to our destination at the time. Mm-hmm. And we had, we had to um, drive through uh, – if you're driving through Montana at the beginning of April – and I was, I, when we planned this, I was hoping that the, uh, the, the winter weather would have stopped. It didn't. So we had to, <laughs> we had to worry. Like I was, I was on my map looking at. okay, this road is icy. This road isn't, let's stay on this one, but oh my ended, up be, ended up being fine. Um, but it was just such a nice like release from all of yeah. that. And you know, I don't like, as a, i know that's like making ambient music is not where my own heart my own heart lies although i think yeah. everybody loves a nice reverb um yes i just i i can really appreciate it i can really appreciate that just being able to um release and and, and let that go um, yeah
0: just to, just to let to like feel it to do simple and some ambient music is not simple like theoretically necessarily right it's just there's often just not a lot going on but sometimes what's Mm -hmm. happening is is sort of you know a little discordant and uh you know and sort of and and odd uh but just to be able to like sit there and chill and listen to it and worry more about and, and i think this is actually how most people consume music it's like how does it make me feel Right, most mm-hmm. people listening to music are probably not listening to music the way you and I do a lot <laughs> which is actively like figuring out okay what are they doing okay yeah that's I think that's this you know I, I certainly I have to turn that off rather yeah. than turn that on uh, and I think most people just are like yeah that feels nice That mm. feels good I like that and they, uh, that's great that's what music is for yeah for most people
1: I think yeah, uh, yeah. Y- your yeah. Uh, your comment about the ambient thing is really int- like i was just thinking about it in like a different in a different like sphere and it's making me think of um sort of a trend in video game music because like, i keep up with video games like that's like my, my bread and butter and i i've noticed mm-hmm. that you know in the last 15 years i would say 10 to 15 years the um there's a trend in video games to become very like like to approach like cinema standards for for games to look and sound cinematic and a lot of um yeah yeah big open like of course like like the you know the the trend of open world games is you know i think indicative of this as well that big sweeping experiences with with all these things and i love you know i love open world games and i i I love that that feeling of being able to explore um but I, I do remember when I th- I think um, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is a great example of this. I do remember when that first came out, there were some people um, saying like, what happened to the Zelda theme? You know, what happened to the Zelda theme on the street, on, on the, in the overworld? This game sucks. And it's, it's just, it's just different. It's a different way of approaching it. Um, yes. So it's I very think sparse. that yeah. Yeah. And that trend I think has continued and it's interesting and it's, I mean I, I I I just think it's cool. I think it's interesting to see how games have um progressed in that way. And in also in some situations where like the sound design and the like sound effects and the, the um uh, I don't know if it's diegetic or non diegetic but whatever the, I the sound that you yes, I, the, the, the I also sound can't you, remember that. Yeah, which one is which? But like the sound that you hear that you would hear I think that's diegetic. The stuff the stuff that you would hear. True yeah in the actual world of the game, yeah that stuff is um and, and when that actually like becomes the music and and just how yeah. it's implemented, I think that's 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 really interesting,
0: yeah, I totally agree. did you play tunic? yes, I did that I think is a good example of what we're talking about, where I love yeah. that score, you know yeah. very synthy and cool by the way, i I found out there is something bananas going on with the sound in tunic which there, there's like a super super deep hidden puzzle in the score for tunic oh gosh and of course there I'm is i'm not <laughs> even gonna be yeah of course but yes of course there is i'm not even gonna be able <laughs> to explain it because i don't fully remember it but like <laughs> if you analyze the sound files there's like if you you know like do a Fourier analysis or whatever there's like mm-hmm. there's some shit going on which is a, a puzzle in and of itself oh. and I think leads to a website or something I, I can't remember what this deal is it's not something I got close to seeing in the game but uh I liked how they were you know they were able to make a great score and yeah. have this other level on top of it did you did you
1: beat to uh, an like did you get did you get to an ending I did
0: okay I did yeah wow. how
1: it. did you beat the um the, the boss i had the hardest time with was uh oh maybe i shouldn't say that Well, oh, is this spoilers that's okay i don't know tunic
0: spoilers if, tunic spoilers blah blah okay blah. tunic
1: yeah. spoilers okay the boss that i had the hardest time with i think it was i don't know what they're actually it's like the the rat king in the um in like the like the area with all the poison oh
0: yes and
1: he's the yes. guy with like he has he like has like the big gun and he like dashes at you yes in that fight when you're deep in the core or something like that yeah, i had yeah, such yeah. a hard that fight was like th- i mean the bosses are hard in that game but that boss was like dude this is unfair like this is this is not this is not possible for,
0: for whatever reason randomly that one wasn't so hard for me i struggled a lot more with the first big boss the like garden oh. temple guy oh really that, I, I think that was actually the hardest uh, for me, maybe I wasn't sufficient. I think I mean I had the like level, you know, the stats that you were supposed to have, but I oh wow, you know, I was still learning it. Um, but also, I have a very high tolerance for just throwing shit against a wall over and over, <laughs> and, over and over again. So I, I mean, I'm not saying I, that the the core guy was quick, but I don't remember that at least for me standing out as being notably harder than. Than some of the other ones. The one there, uh-huh. there was one where it's like you have to rebeat all the different bosses. It's in the cathedral, I think. Yeah, oh, in the cathedral. Yeah. You go down to a pit, and you have to fight everybody again. Yes. Oh, yeah. That like gauntlet part. Thing. Yeah. That yeah, the gauntlet. uh That took a long time. That one I remember yeah. being like, oh my fucking god, what am I gonna do here? All right.
1: Yeah, you have. I think it's. I'm not. Sure, I don't know if you have to fight like the main bosses again, but it's like several groups. Of enemies that you like, at to choose yes. in an order in which you fight them. That's oh, right. That was, I mean, that was hard, but that was that was fun. I do, I do remember that, yeah. like learning that one. Um, and, yeah. and then I think you fight that guardian thing at the end.
0: You do. That's like the of that. That, that's, how that's how it one works. of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that one I remember being hard. Uh, yeah. I want to move on to uh, to segments because we do have okay two sure. segments on this show. The first segment. On this show this is our pop culture recommendation segment you get to talk about mm. a book a movie a video game whatever culture both high and low something you've been enjoying recently mm. uh, the segments called what's poppin' and the theme song goes here what's poppin' what's poppin' but we added in post so I don't know if you heard this when you listen to the Andrew Wong episode. Do do you remember mm. this segment at all?
1: I don't think I don't think I heard the segments part.
0: Great. Okay. So then I can ask you my favorite question, which is okay. if you were to have heard the theme song to what's poppin', what would you have thought of it? And your opinion means a lot to me here. In this hypothetical I'm- world where you heard the what's poppin' theme song. What would I can't believe
1: that? that you use the super hyper mega meta ultra Lydian scale so well. Wow, nicely done. That's,
0: a, that's what I do. Thank you. <laughs> See, I knew, I knew you'd get it. Finally, someone picked up on, on that on that on that. On oh, the I, heard I heard it. I heard that.
1: I heard that 432nd hertz undertone.
0: Yeah. Yep. Straight out of Slonimsky, baby. <laughs> uh so I. Let's see. do you want to go first or would you like me to go first so you can have Aren't a second? Why don't you go to, first? That would be to nice. Think Great. So then can you please ask me, Carlos, can you say, Brian, what's popping? Brian, what's popping? Well, thank you for asking, Carlos. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, what's popping for me this week, it's a, it's a TV show I've just started watching on uh, uh, on Hulu. It's called This Fool. Do you know this, uh, 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 this show at all? No, I haven't heard of it it's it's pretty new i think it came out first season was last year second season i think just came out and it's basically like a bunch of people uh mostly latino hanging out in working class la and it is it's a sitcom it's got chris estrada who co-created it and frankie quinones and uh Mm. michael imperioli weirdly as like the the minister at like a uh, uh Chris's character uh Julio Lopez works at a a thing called Hugs Not Thugs which is like an outreach thing where you know they take people who just got out of prison and you know help them reassimilate into life and they bake cupcakes <laughs> and it's really really great it, it you know it's it's very funny the acting is the acting and writing are all awesome and uh I've been just really really enjoying it I'm about halfway through the first season and I think it rules so that's mine oh that's, my, that's, oh, that's, that's nice. this week. Yeah, I heard an interview. Uh, I can't remember with who. Someone on on NPR. If you, I guess when it came out, and I was like, "Oh, that sounds good," and then never got around to watching it, and then it popped up on my feed. It was like, "Oh shit!" Uh, and I saw someone say, you know, called like the best show you're not watching or something like that. And I was like, "Okay, here's the <laughs> here's the time." And you you know, you just gotta love a good sitcom when they're. And mm-hmm, this one's pretty mm-hmm. dialed in, like, from the get-go. Like, the characters are are right there. You know who everybody is. The main dude's kind of a dork. And, you know, it's just like he's just this off-again, on-again girlfriend who keeps showing up, and he can't quite figure out his life. He's sort of aimless. But I, I really love it. So, this fool uh, yeah. uh, on Hulu right now. Carlos, what's popping for you?
1: Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Wow, I can't believe it. Oh, of course, it. it's um, kind of my job. Uh, for me, um. I'll I'll share a video game that's been that's been taking up my, yes, please. my time lately. Um Pikmin 4. Now Pikmin Oh yeah.
0: Okay, tell me about is, this, uh,
1: too. Pikmin is a series of games that first started with the original Pikmin on the GameCube where you play as mm-hmm. Captain Olimar and you have crash-landed on uh, the planet um, basically I think it's planet Earth but we know it is PNF404 and you have 30 days he has a 30 day supply of oxygen in his spacesuit, and or no it's actually no a 30 day supply of life support otherwise he will succumb to the poisonous oxygen on planet pnf 404 <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Uh-huh. and
1: he and uh to retrieve all the parts that are missing from his ship to get back home he finds these pikmin or these little almost carrot like creatures that help him fight off enemies and pick up his parts and carry <laughs> them back to his ship so i've loved this series since the first one it's a relatively like it's not one of the more popular like N- Nintendo series, but I love it. I um, feel like so I really. never heard
0: about it until recently. Like I, mm. Someone was like, oh, Pikmin 4, and I was like, oh, I didn't even know about this. Yeah,
1: Yeah. so Pikmin 4 in particular is, is unique. So Pikmin 1 was GameCube. Pikmin 2 was also GameCube. Pikmin 3 was uh, originally on the Wii U and then re-released for Switch subsequently, and then there was nothing for a long, mm. long time. And news articles said that Um, um, Shigeru Miyamoto at one point said, "Like, oh, Pikmin Four is we're working on it," and it was like years, many, like at Uh. least like five years since that original confirmation by Miyamoto, and it didn't happen. And then suddenly, within like the like within the last year, there was a announcement, and Pikmin Four was confirmed to be real. And people, I was like losing my mind, like no way, yeah, Yeah, Oh, (laughs) like I, I was one of them. Was like, no way, it's real um i think i was watching um my uh my partner and i were watching the direct together and when pikmin 4 was revealed like she complained was like carlos you like screamed into my ear so loud because you're sitting next to me (laughs) so anyway pikmin pikmin 4 follows that same kind of like you, you don't play as captain olimar um but you it's the same kind of gameplay and one term that is um that they that kind of describes the gameplay of Pikmin that's used in the game is a Japanese concept called Dandori. That's D A N D O R I, and Dandori is like the idea of um, efficiently distributing work. And mm-hmm. there's not really like a single word apart from like efficiency in English that really mm-hmm. communicates that. But um, they just in in the the English version they just choose to use the word Dandori to communicate that concept. Mm-hmm. And I think. Like since like, one is just fun to play, but it's also made me like think about my life differently. Like now when I'm cooking, I feel like I'm playing Pikmin at the same time. <laughs> because I'm thinking, like, okay, uh-huh. if I if I if I set up my dandori so the rice cooker goes off at the exact, tame, exact right, right, same exact right. same time, I finish cooking this beef at the same time. Um and I that that um my that I'm I don't know, this podcast finishes that I'm listening to. Right. right. That is good dandori, right? And I it it, it it's made everything <laughs> even when i'm not playing the game it's given me like appreciation for all the other things in life and i'm just that kind of person who likes who really likes planning and timing things and and like you know it's like a a logical it's like a logic brains like paradise you know it's like okay organizing things and having them finish on time and it's it's really fun so i've been enjoying that a lot recently
0: that's so great uh okay i gotta get this sounds exactly the kind of thing i would enjoy so i gotta Mm. check this It's on switch you say
1: yes segment four is on switch and okay. i think and, and you don't Good. have to play one two or three to to enjoy four it has a lot of callbacks but no context needed
0: great cool okay great um so now we have our second segment of the show mm-hmm. so this is three parts gratitude at so normally Layton introduces this so i'm going to try to dial it in with this With this introduction, I just fucked (laughs) her up a little bit, but that's fine. We're all good. Uh, It's three parts gratitude exercise, and why can't I say the word exercise? Three parts gratitude exercise, and one part, petty grousing. It's called Peaches Mm. and Lemons, and the theme song also added in post, but I'm not going to ask you what you think about it. Theme song also goes here. Peaches and Lemons. Peaches and Lemons. That was the theme song for peaches and lemons now the way this is going to work is we're each going to do one lemon we'll do our like a lemon is something that's kind of a mild bummer it's not you know a life-altering tragedy it's like Mm -hmm. oh oh well um and uh and peaches are just three things you're you're happy about can be Mm. small or big Mm -hmm. so i'll start with my lemon and then you Mm -hmm. can do yours my lemon is very simple I smell fucking terrible right now. I have not showered today. You know, you know, it's that kind of smell where you're like, I, I think I smell bad. And if you think you smell bad, you probably do. And it's just like, I got up, I immediately had to take my daughter to, to camp right away, didn't have a chance to shower. It's fucking hot here. It's been a sweaty day. And I just have not had a chance to like shower off. And I can feel myself like I, I, I can... Tactilely feel myself smelling bad right now. And I hate it. I hate that feeling. That's it's just oh, it's it's just it's not good. So that that's my lemon is I. F- you know what I should say more than I. It's not that I smell bad, which may or may not be objectively true. It's that yeah. I feel like I do, which is oh, that's bummer.
1: that's even worse.
0: That's the worst part. That's yeah. even worse. So well, the
1: good thing is that that's my lemon. The good thing is that you know how to fix that and the power. Is
0: in your hands. <laughs> that, but that's also, that's also the scary part. It's like, you know, having that much power over over my own <laughs> destiny. What am I going to do with all this power, Carlos? Oh, my goodness. Uh, so that's, that's my lemon. What about you?
1: My lemon is so specific. It's so so specific and small. So I like to carry this Nalgene water bottle with me. This is one of their leader size models. It's a pretty big one. Uh-huh. And yeah. I'm actually um, leaving on a flight for Japan this uh, in, in two days from now, uh, which okay, I'm wow. very very excited for. Cool. And uh, the my normal my backpack that I have used for so many years is on its last leg, so I decided mm-hmm. let's get a new one. And I was researching online to find the best the best backpack, and then I found one that seemed like it would do the job. And based on the pictures online, it said it would work. I ordered it for pickup. I went to Target today. Went and oh, got no. it, and I put my water bottle in, and it did not fit Fuck. in the holder.
0: Oh, that sucks! <laughs> <laughs> holder is too small. Oh no! In the whole,
1: I'm I'm just I'm just too thirsty. I'm too thirsty. I need more, <laughs> need, more, need, more need more water, and this bag can afford me. So, it would have been nice if it was a little bigger, but un- unfortunately not. So, gonna probably gonna have to go back and return I mean, that.
0: That's a pretty big bottle. Like, you'll, you'd have to find a special backpack to be able to hold a, a liter Nalgene, right?
1: Yeah. You, uh, I wouldn't say. I, maybe not like a. Certainly a particular backpack. That's what maybe I mean. Maybe not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I, I think. There are some. It, it falls within the range of like normal backpacks. Like particularly, there are ones with like a um, like a really stretchy mesh holder, yes, which can which yes. accommodate that size pretty well. And that's what I was looking for. And based on the picture I saw online, I thought it had that kind, but it yeah. didn't. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I'm gonna have to uh, heal that lemon by shopping around a little bit more.
0: <laughs> I feel like it's just rude when the the cup holder in the i mean or the bottle holder whatever the thing on the side of the backpack is not suitably stretchy it's like guys there's more than one type of bottle can we please just gives like some of those you know you like pull it out and it just stops at some point you're like what the fuck is going on here i just want to put my little bottle in the in the holder i feel like it's kind of rude to to not make those stretchy i'm not
1: sure what the I, i mean i have never designed a backpack in my life Um, probably won't have to but if but if i I did i would uh (laughs) i would think about making sure the the, the thing is stretchy enough but um yeah i know i know backpacks out there exist with that so it's a solvable problem (laughs) same
0: all right let's move on to peaches so now we get uh three of these there are three uh good things can be small or big in your life uh i will go first all right. Uh, I've talked about this ad nauseum um, on the show recently, but for whatever reason, uh, I'm having a Stephen Sondheim month. And <laughs> he's one of my all time favorite composers. And I saw Sweeney Todd, uh, in New York, the new production. And just this past weekend, we saw Into the Woods, the new production at the Amundsen here in L.A. Uh, not my favorite Sondheim, but it was a great production. But the real the, the peach is that last night we went to the Hollywood Bowl for something called everybody rise a sondheim celebration with wow. uh six broadway stars patty lapone being the biggest but also uh brian stokes mitchell mitchell and uh sutton foster and a, and a and a bunch of others and it was like one of the greatest concerts i have ever been to you know That's so great full, full symphony orchestra like just sterling performances from everybody and Sondheim is this very deep catalog, so you could be pulling you know stuff from all over. They didn't do too many deep cuts, uh, although they did one cut song from Assassins, which is musical about presidential assass- assassins. Uh, and I'd never heard this song before, but it was like, it was just such a great show. And, mm. you know, I, I, I straight up cried at several points during the show because it was... You know, he he died not too long ago and his music really means a lot to me. And just seeing it Mm. performed with this great crowd in this classic venue was really something special. Mm. So that's that's my first peach is it's that's going to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe I was at this concert kind of memory uh, forever. And those are pretty rare.
1: Yeah, those are those are really rare. And those are. Such good, such good things to
0: keep in the memory bank. And I I honestly, I can't think of another one too recently that I was at like that. I've been to a lot of great shows, but not Mm -hmm. one of those like, holy shit. Like, can you believe, you know, can you believe you were there? Uh so let's see peach number two is uh i am gonna go on a little dad daughter trip with my nine-year-old and i'm taking her to las vegas
1: oh. so we're gonna go
0: do like family friendly stuff in vegas just me and her uh go to you know a fun pool and see some fun shows and and do that sort of stuff so i'm very excited about that oh I is, never, that,
1: I, is, is that a tour, is that good, a yeah. is, you know are you gonna do a road trip there or is
0: that uh yeah we're gonna drive we're gonna drive from la uh either en route or on the well either going there or the way back we'll stop at the hoover dam you know there's not oh, a hell cool. of a lot between where we are and vegas it's mostly desert yeah. <laughs> uh but i do want to I, I want to i haven't been to the hoover dam in like a long ass time 30 years or something so i want to like see it again and show it to her uh and we'll see some good shows and you know have a good time in vegas so that's peach number two. And peach mm. number three is I uh, so I have an album coming out uh in uh, the the near ish future. And I just today got the first physical media for it, which is now like
1: oh, yeah. locked
0: in its I can't show it on here. I'll show you the, the vinyl cover, which is not the vinyl, it's just the sleeve. So I wrote a smooth jazz album. Mmm. <laughs> which is this so it's this soprano guy uh and i just got cassettes for it wow. so i'm doing cassettes and vinyl and uh i just got a box of the cassettes and they are i i can't even remember the last time i picked up a physical audio cassette but uh
1: yeah talk about a resurgence of like of vintage media like first it was vinyl, right and now yes. cassettes coming back because
0: that's like, which don't sound great like You know, they're fine, but it's, you know, people are not doing those for the... Vinyl, I can understand why people want the audio quality from vinyl. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cassettes are baffling to me, but they are cool. I mean, that's what I grew up with, you know, uh, so I... I, It's nice to see them back, but I took it out of the little cassette box. I was like, when was the last time I held one? I mean, it's probably been 15 years or something. You know, I Mm -hmm. pried one out Mm -hmm. of an old car stereo at some point. But, (laughs) yeah. So... It's like it's finally, you know, I've, this album has been a long time coming. Uh it really got sidetracked by the pandemic and mm. to have it finally wrapped and like getting out there is is a good feeling.
1: Oh, that's so cool.
0: So, I want to just peaches. based on
1: that cover I want to hear it.
0: Oh, thanks. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll send you a copy when uh Oh, when cool. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, Carlos. Uh what are your peaches?
1: Ah, oh, all right. So, I i am in general i i think a a pretty positive person and i think there's a there's um peaches in pretty much everything that everything peaches no matter how you look at it um but some of the more obvious ones that comes to mind for me um so my lemon lemon was that my backpack didn't work out but one of the peaches is that yeah (laughs) absolute absolute tragedy i will be dehydrated the entire time no (laughs) no, I'll, i'll i'll take care of that um But one of the associated peaches was that uh, while the backpack didn't work out, I got an, I got an, another, a new suitcase that I've needed for so long. Um, And it's just like, it's so simple. It's just like a, it's just a suitcase, but it's great. And, and I, I took it out, I, I went to the store and picked it up and I was like, this is exactly what I wanted and it does everything that I need. And it was just so simple and i I, like it made me really appreciate just a transaction of you know researching something then picking something up and 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 having the research pay off and you make a good decision it's like okay i like this so yeah um i'm 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 just i'm i'm pleased with that i i i am that's great i will I won't. Uh, I won't sing praises of whatever brand it is, just because I don't <laughs> think people. I don't think people need to know about that on on a, on a show sure. like this. It comes across the wrong way. But uh, but my previous. Oh, like I, I needed to do this because I've I've had a, I had like a luggage set from a long time ago and the there one of them it had like a carry on and like two checked size and of the two checked size baggage um both of them have lost at least one wheel. <laughs> so one of yeah. the, one of the biggest bag Not has good. lost yeah. two, as the biggest bag has lost two <laughs> wheels. So, and the, it's like one of the ones with like the four wheels. So, and but they're yeah, on yeah, yeah. opposite; they're on diagonals from each other. Oh. So the bag is like oh officially God. like no go. Useless. Like you cannot yeah. u- useless. Um, and then yeah. the, one of the other bags has lost one. So it's like it, man. It's time to get a new one. So, new yeah. bag is um very. I'm very happy about that. Um, That's great. Congratulations. S- s- Thank you, thank you. Um, I'll be sure to not stuff a living person in it because it's not that big. Good, good, good. Um, yeah. Second peach, I would say is uh, I was at a uh, I happened to stumble across an arts fair um, a couple of days ago with some friends of mine, and we were walking through, and it was like a like a. Not like a, not a farmer's market. Nobody was really selling food or anything, but it was like um, a showcase of just local artists, like a lot of uh, woodworkers, metalworkers, traditional art, um, some mm-hmm. some musicians. And one thing I like to do is I like to just pi- buy instruments that are just a little strange.
0: Yes, same. And yeah, absolutely, same. Yes.
1: Yeah. Just just because like. It's one thing to search for a strange sample of something on like right. uh, like um some sample service but uh having an object that is supposed to be an instrument that is unique is just kind of fun. And I was walking around and we found this metal worker um who had a triangle that was hanging off of, of just like a piece of thread from like the top of his little booth and he actually like it was a tri- it was a just a a pretty large size um triangle like and it was like I don't know metal working enough to tell if it that was a triangle. Was... Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I think it's actually more of a bar. It was more of a baritone size, actually. <laughs> the baritone, not not quite that low of a register. I wouldn't support yeah. the ensemble that triangle. Um, yeah. But uh, it wasn't. You know, it's it's not like it's not glossy like an orchestral triangle would be. It was like mm-hmm. just a piece of metal, like a bar that someone mm-hmm. had shaped into looking like a triangle. But it came yeah. with this beater that was also like. It was kind of cool because it had like this, um, almost like a like a scepter that like and the scepter part like hooks. It, you can store it oh, on the cool. triangle by like hooking it on the bottom, and uh-huh. it was like it was like you know Rad. twenty. The guy was selling it for twenty bucks, and I was like, you know, let me just this is this will be cool to have around, and so I. I I was happy to find the triangle and I, I picked it up and then I was, then I was showing my friends I was walking with, I was like, so this is how you do a roll on the triangle. And I held it with my hands and I did the thing. And then yeah, yeah. meanwhile, I forgot that we were in a public place. So people were like looking and they saw this, they saw me rolling the triangle.
0: <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah
1: is, 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 it, is it dinner time? So <laughs> That's awesome. I was, I was, that was such a good find. I, I love finding little things like that.
0: I remember for years, my mom used to love to go to little arts fairs. And I don't know if this is like a known thing or if it was just some weird idiosyncratic thing. Uh, I had something called a strum stick. Is this a thing? Have you mm. ever heard of this? Yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I haven't even looked it up. It was a little stringed instrument, like a guitar with two strings, two strings, oh, okay. frets, all the shit. Uh, but it was, and it was like maybe a foot long. And I had this in my room forever, and you could play, you know. Uh, sorry, three string. It must have three strings because you could do little chords on it. Strum uh, but I just... stick. Strum stick. And I think it was just something some dude made and was selling them. But, you know, it looked like a um, kind of like a triangular body oh, okay. guitar. I see it
1: now. This looks interesting.
0: Is it? Is it a thing? Like, I haven't even looked these up. Uh, it you
1: looks look like it's up. just an instrument that is made by, like, one specific, like, oh, one specific look, like... manufacturer.
0: Yes, this is it. Okay, I guess it's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay, it's like a known thing. All right. Well, it's not quite as idiosyncratic as I had hoped. But what is a strumstick? A Mcnally strumstick school. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Peach number three. Yes.
1: So peach number three. I alluded to this before, but um, I am finally going back to Japan. I've I've been to Japan once before in uh, 2018, just as a. A fun like as a just a, a fun touristy trip and uh yeah it's been it's 5 it's been five years since then so uh i'm finally having the chance to go back especially after the country was closed uh, um due to covid um i have right. quite a few friends over there and there's there's um uh, several events that are happening in japan that I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing last time i just went to I, I was i had just gone to um just went to tokyo but this time mm-hmm. um i'm also going to osaka and kyoto for oh, a little great. bit cool so i'm just really excited to leave the country again and yeah.
0: just to, to
1: just like because I'm, I'm going for two and a half weeks i'm gonna be out for for quite oh, a while that's great. that'll be yeah. th- that'll be super nice so I, it's It'll be interesting because it's like a it's like a vacation, but um a lot of um for some of these events a lot of my friends are actually also going to be there, so it'll be sort of like a like a a, a, oh, a friends so trip thing too. So I'm just so happy to be at this point and also happy that I didn't okay, this is like peach three point five, but it's related to three. Sure, great is that yes. I is that I have this tendency to schedule way too much work right mm-hmm. before a trip. and this and this yeah it's 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 hard to do but this time there was certainly like there was like a there was a bump like there was more work to do but this time i didn't let that happen like this time there's just like i just have to like you know clean the house and and pack and and that stuff is gonna happen anyway but nothing like huge and oh god like oh god i have to finish another song before i leave like none (laughs) of that that did not happen this time um so I feel good that That's I great. did not do that to myself.
0: <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Well, I, I have a great time. I lo- I've only been to Japan once, I did uh, Tokyo and Kyoto. And, mm. you know, Tokyo is, is yeah, amazing. It's one of the world's great metropolises. But Kyoto yeah. is the, like the re- the one I remember as being like a really wonderful special place. Yeah. Uh, so have a great time. It's going to be so fun.
1: Oh, thank you. I, I cannot wait to... To bathe in
0: the nature <laughs> and the city
1: and the onsen.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've never done. One. I've always wanted to do one of those. I've never done one. Yeah. Uh, it sounds amazing, uh, dude. Carlos, thank you for taking all this time uh, to be on the show with me this week. It was really, really fun to talk to you. I didn't realize we had this kind of parallel uh, background. So it was. It was yeah. So cool it's to, really. Like, it's really cool.
1: That. I didn't. I. I didn't know any of that either. I mean. Uh, it's 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 so cool to find that about that find find that out about you and uh it's it's cool how those things develop yeah
0: (laughs) totally uh if people want to check out your stuff what and where uh should they go
1: Sure. Well, it's strange because my go to was Twitter now, but I don't know what's happening with that. So you can go yeah. to my website uh, in you can go to my website uh, That usually has a, a list of my um, new releases. Um, you can also follow me on YouTube at insaneintherainmusic. Um, I'll use, I'm not posting new videos there very much, but every time I uh, complete a project or have something to share, it will get uploaded to YouTube. So um, I would say either my website or my YouTube channel. Those are the two places.
0: That's great. Cool. All right, everybody. Uh, Layton, feel better. You know, we'll have, a. am sure, a get mini well episode up at some point, too. Yeah, get well soon. And uh, now, so normally, okay, here's the dilemma we face. Normally, Layton is the one who signs off on the episode um, and has a thing that she says. She has a whole spiel she gets into. So now the, the dilemma becomes, how do we get out of this episode? How do we finish it off? And I think I'm going to ask you, Carlos, if you, if you have any words of wisdom or any parting thoughts for the listeners. Any advice, even? Um, so there's, there's, a, there's
1: a serious piece of advice I could give. And there's also Great. a non-serious piece of advice I could give. Now, I know what the serious piece of advice is, but I don't know what the non-serious piece of advice is quite yet. <laughs> um, but okay. I could... I'll, i'll i'll give i'll give both um Great. the serious piece of advice um now i'm not gonna remember exactly how it was quoted but i've been uh reading this uh this audiobook um uh, or listening to this audiobook called the magic of thinking big um uh, mm-hmm. which is recommended to me by a couple people and it's essentially just about thinking big and how um that creativity is uh, creativity, and, and and keeping an open mind is like the solution to pretty much everything, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. And I finished the book today, and at the very end of the Audible program, it was like, um, something something like, the I'm gonna butcher the exact quote. It sounded so much sure, cooler sure. when the That's guy fine. said it, but it was something like,
0: um, <laughs> it's almost like he like, had written it ahead of
1: time. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like he had planned it. Something like the <laughs> the the fool. The, the fool is the person who is controlled by their mind but the master is the one who controls their mind or something like that cool <laughs> I, it, basically do it like your, your mind your your thoughts and your your mind are meant to be there um, they're meant to help you they're meant to be an asset mm-hmm. for you and um, if you get turned around first off that's okay it happens to all of us but um you know it the, it should it should be serving you it should be doing good things for you so make sure you take some time to check in with yourself and make sure that your mind is doing good things for you um and then that's that's my serious piece of advice and then my non-serious piece of advice that i still have not thought of um, (laughs) um i would tell you uh i am going to uh yes suggest that if you ever buy a tambourine
0: okay great that i love this
1: you should make sure that your tambourine has the the best kind of jingles that you want because a brass jingle tambourine is very different than a non-brass jingle tambourine and i think that everybody needs to keep be aware of that in their lives thank you very much
0: yeah i think what you're saying is find your tambourine and cherish it
1: <laughs> yeah that's, that's right so. everybody's got their tambourine
0: <laughs> everyone's got their tambourine all right everybody thank you so much uh we'll see you next week bye goodbye late night is produced by brian weck Layton gray and Jarek centeno follow us on twitter at leighton night on Instagram at Layton underscore night, or email us at LaytonKnight at gmail.com.